But he also, one thing he told me that that's stayed with me all these years, he said 90% of truck driving is common sense and confidence. He said, use the common sense the good Lord gave you and have confidence in yourself. He said the other 10%, the rest of them people out there, and you can't do nothing about them. You just got to keep an eye on Welcome to Six Figure Trucker, the podcast where we share advice on how to be successful in trucking and have fun while doing so. We'll share stories, news, and advice on how to earn six figures in trucking, and we'll speak to guys and gals that are already doing so. Let's get to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Six Figure Trucker brought to you by Norton Transport. And those of you who have uh, checked in with us each week, you know this is an area, a venue, if you will, where we elevate and celebrate the driver. They're not always viewed in the most favorable light by uh, the public at large, but we're here to change that and let you hear the perspective of the drivers themselves, the men and women that move the trucks, that move the freight, that have so much to do with the economy of this country. We've got a very special guest with us this evening, a gentleman by the name of Merle Jones. He joins us now, and I talked to him earlier before we started recording. Merle is on the road now. Merle, tell us where you are. I am in Jefferson, Georgia. Jefferson, Georgia, and where did you come from? Uh, I started this trip in Mooresville, North Carolina. What's the final destination? Richland, Mississippi, which is the suburb of Jackson, Mississippi. So you're not too far from delivery. Uh, About 400 miles. That's going to be tomorrow? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Gotcha. Now, what do you normally do when, and, you, when you take a break? Kind of walk us through your break. Well, I'm at, uh, number one, get out, walk around a little bit, go inside, get me something to eat if it's that time. If not, just get me a cup of coffee and relax a little while. Important to stretch the knees out? Yes, sir. As you get on up in age, you got to keep a little blood pumping in them knees. <laughs> Have you found any tricks to, to make that happen? Uh, <laughs> walking. Squatting, doing what you got to do. Walking's the main thing. Of course, right now it's so hot, you know, it's, you got to wait till the evening or do it in the morning. Gotcha. Here's an odd question for you. What kind of shoes do you wear when you're driving? I wear lace up boots. Uh, I mean, well, they're just ankle boots, but uh, I, uh, they're actually Goodyear. They're, cause they're, and then lace up to support the ankles, and two, they're uh, weather resistant. So if it happens to be raining, my feet stay dry. And also, it makes it through security in the airports without, because I grew up wearing cowboy boots, but they have a steel shaft in them, or shank, whatever you'll call it. And they make the uh, security bells go off, even though you do have TSA free check. So, my wife bought me these, and it turned out to be a blessing. Gotcha, because um, the cowboy boots, I made the mistake before. I was flying out west. We were going out to Denver. On a business trip, yes, I, I said, you know, I'm going to Colorado. I got to wear the cowboy boots, so I put them on. I didn't think about pulling them off, putting them back on. Once you go through security, that's you know, you're you're, yes, ba- you're backing up the line, people behind you, and you're trying to put these boots on. You know, putting on cowboy boots is not the quickest thing in the world. Yeah, well, I mean, they're of course I've worn them all my life growing up in Texas, Louisiana, but uh, they're you got to have the right boot and plus, but you know, it, you don't want to myself. You don't want to inconvenience the other people, you know? Exactly. I mean, if you've got a good pair of boots that are well-worn, they'll slide off and on pretty easily. Now, I was talking to – now, you're listening to Merle Jones here on the Six Figure Trucker brought to you by Norton Transport. Merle's one of our drivers here, um, and he was recommended by his dispatcher, Megan Wardlaw, 
Megan speaks very highly of you, and she wasn't completely sure to 100%, uh, but uh, do you have a package set up as far as for, you fly a lot. Do you fly a lot? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I fly after every trip. I don't carry a tow behind car. Well, I mean, sometimes, like today, uh, or last night, I got to Roanoke, and then I grabbed a rig car and drove three hours down to North Carolina. I got you. Got you. But most of the time, you fly. Yes, sir. How do you manage that as far as uh, timing, coordination, and expenses? Well, you know, I'm I'm at age where, and this might sound wrong, but I, I don't have to work as hard as I used to. Kids are grown. Now we're in the grandbaby stage. And uh, I pre-plan. Everything's about pre-planning now, you know. Well, when I leave the house, I'm going to, there's not a set amount of time I'm going to be gone, but... I try to balance, you know, you call Megan, my dispatcher, I look at her more as a travel agent. You know, I, I look at the board, see what I'm interested in, I call her, and we do our best to make it work for each other, and then there's times that they've got loads that need to go, and, you know, I'm, because, and here's my philosophy, the way I was raised, you know, everything in life, every aspect of your life, whether it be your job, your marriage, your home life, whatever, you get out of it what you put into it. And with that being said, in my opinion, as my wife has taught me to say, uh, uh, we're all links in a chain, and we're only as strong as the weakest link. So, you know, she helps me out. Like when my wife's uncle passed away a couple of weeks, and I really need to get home. So as soon as I dropped that, I was gone. You know, she helps me out. I help her out. But here's the point. I work for Norton, but at the same time, I am Norton. Right. You know, being a link in that chain, we're only as good as the chain. And, you know... I look at it as like these signs on the side of this truck say North Transportation. Well, then that means I'm a rolling billboard. How I drive, you know, you have this people cut people off, whatever, the attitude I get out of here with, you know, that's all important mm-hmm. because, you know, I just told country boy raised the country and, you know, you got to have integrity like they taught in boot camp, do the right thing right even when ain't nobody looking. Right. Then you don't ever, ever have to worry about what, you, what I might have done wrong. And, you know, it. Uh, at the end of the day, I represent Norton. Norton represents me. The other dude, I don't know, somewhere else in a Norton truck, if he walks into a customer or or whatever, if he's looking all slouchy, well, you know, I don't know about all this. You know, maybe I don't. I need to look somewhere else. Or you might be somewhere in a truck stop, and they see you get out of a Norton truck. It might be a, a boss over there at work has twenty trucks that need to be moved. Well, if I'm looking right. Truck's looking right. I'm professional in my actions. But hey, I might need to check with them. They might can move my truck. You're absolutely right. You know, it's right. all about, you know, it's like I said, that, you know, once you accept the job, we're not just working for Norton. We are Norton. That's absolutely right, the way you put that. You're a walking billboard. And some of those examples you laid out there are things that could happen. I mean, you know, there may be business opportunities out there at a truck stop, you know, with one company that's got, like you said, 20 trucks to move and, they see a driver such as yourself who acts professionally, uh, keeps himself in a you know good uh, demeanor, isn't you know uh, right. isn't a rough guy with uh, other people, isn't grumpy and all that kind of stuff. You know, people notice those things. Right, it's like a city, and it's all about you get out of it what you put into it. You know, the old saying back when you and I were growing up, it's uh, doing to others you had them doing to you. Well, one step further than that, I do unto others whether you know it's from a older person to a woman to whoever. I don't just hold the door for the older person. Anybody. 
because you don't know how what that person's going through that day that may just be the worst day in their life. They don't know anybody exists. Wow, did y'all see that uh, Norton guy? He 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 stood there and held the door for that lady. You know, it's all about doing what's right. That's a great philosophy there. You know, that's a good point you were talking about. I wanted to expand a little bit about it. It doesn't have anything you necessarily to do with driveway trucking, but opening the door for someone and you don't know, you, you said it best, you don't know what that person's been through in their life or in that Or what they're going through at that day. At that moment in that day of their life. And um, you, you can make a difference not even thinking with such a small gesture as opening a door. Well, I, you know, I kind of look at life this way. Uh, you know, I was raised, uh, was raised up as a Christian, and two, it's just the point of, you know, it takes two seconds to say, morning. You know what I mean? And like I said, they may be having the worst day of their life, think they don't matter, they don't exist, but everybody matters. And at the same time, like going back to what I said before, as a representative of Norton, will people notice? You know, people know, they see your attitude. They see how you live, you know. Uh, of course, I'm an old country boy. I got, you know, creased blue jeans on, whatever. My wife takes good care of me. But, uh, you know, it's, it's all an attitude. Like I said, you get out of life what you put into it. You're listening to Merle Jones here on the Six Figure Trucker, brought to you by Norton Transport. Merle is sharing some of his philosophy, his practices, what is his beliefs, his integrity that he carries out on the road. And uh, in the first uh, few minutes, about first 10 minutes, we talked to us. If you were listening closely, he said boot camp. So I'm assuming uh, you've been through boot camp. A National Guard, yes, sir. That was a lifetime ago. That was my next question. When and where? Uh, I was in Louisiana, and I went to boot camp at Fort McClellan, Alabama. It, like many of them are closed down and gone now. But uh, I ended up messing up my knee and got out on the medical. But uh, it's still, you know, and it, wasn't, it wasn't much different than growing up under a, having a minister for a father. You know what I mean? <laughs> only thing got me in trouble at boot camp was saying yes, sir, no, sir. I did a, quite a few push-ups because that's the way I was raised. It was an extension of your father, I guess. Right, 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 right. Now, what time frame was this when you were in boot camp? Uh, I'm 60 now. Yeah, in the early 90s. Okay. I was 30 years old. Now, this was uh, early 90s. We had the uh, Persian Gulf War going on. Right. And my son, who my oldest son, who uh, went to Afghanistan twice, and the Lord brought him home, thankfully, but... Uh, he said one time, and this is going to sound bad. Dad, you got. He said you got out this at the wrong time. I said, well, I don't know about that. You know, it might have been the right time because I might have went over there and not come back. Then yeah. he wouldn't have been here. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Um, so I, I'm assuming uh, a country boy from uh, Louisiana. Uh, military yes, military service also must mean a lot to you. Oh yes, sir. And you know, well, as we talked about earlier, you know, I. Uh, I've been on the road 39 years. The world has changed, and even more than that, a lot of stuff that went on, went on, was going on in the world, wasn't in trucking. But in the last say decade, some of that junk out there has made its way into trucking, and it all comes back to what we were talking about earlier. It's all about what attitude you portray. 39 years on the road. Yes, yeah, sir. I went. I drove. I may. I drove local a couple for a couple of the companies in '81, but I actually went on the road in 1984. Good Lord's kept his hand on me a long time. And you've kept your hand on the wheel. Oh, yes, sir. 
<laughs> for a day or two. Take us through those 39 years, how you started and how you got to drive away. But uh, take us through each progression there. Just kind of take us down the road. Well, I, when I, I, I used to ride, well, you know, you got that uncle. Well, he was, I think he's uncle. He wasn't actually blood kin. You got some kin people that aren't blood kin, you know, some people in your what you consider family. And I rode with him when I was a teenager. And then when I turned 18, I uh, got a chauffeur's license in Louisiana and I hauled drilling pipe in the oil field mud. I would just get my foot in the door. And then I got ready to go on the road or, you know, decided, hey, I'm going to go on the road. And nobody would give you a job because you didn't have no road experience. You couldn't get no road experience without a job. Anyway, so I ended up going to trucking school in 1984 just to get some, uh, get my foot in the door. And uh, old Melton Truck Line, they were called the Running Rabbit back then. They were out of Shreveport and left in Texas. Not the blue trucks you see now. They were red back then. But uh, anyway, and so I went on the road and... Uh, I woke up one day, and this going to sound kind of crazy. I woke up one day, and I'll never forget this. When uh, I, my first trip on the road, I got on the old ramp at Hope, Arkansas, where on I-30. coming in, I went up out of three ports. And when I got on the ramp, I got flush. And I thought, okay, big boy, you said you can handle it. Let's see. And 39 years later, I'm still here. But one day, I woke up in Connecticut at a 76 truck stop. Before daylight, I had to go get my load off. And I just looked around. I thought, you know, I don't know a living soul in this place. I'll never see anybody I know. And I had friends that were running California back every trip. Mm -hmm. So that's what I ended up doing for a lot of years. And uh, progressed on, you know, tried a little of this, a little of that. The only thing I haven't hauled is cows and the tanker. Now, the tanker deal is only because my mama made me promise when I was the, I'm the baby that uh, I wouldn't go a tanker, and I never have. But other than that, I've pretty much hauled it. Wow, that's impressive. And then I did 36 years in a rig, and... It's uh, I came to work out here uh, in 2020. I was one of the few that I got COVID and it like took me out. And uh, I was in the hospital for 11 days. I got out on June the 16th and I was on auction to the last day of October. And I didn't, they didn't clear me to go back to work till the following May. So I came out on the road in May or June of 21. So I've been, that's my second year. Gotcha. Now, you're talking about COVID. I mean, I, I know some people personally that went through that. Hopefully it's behind us, not uh, revving, mm -hmm. revving back up. But uh, you're a living witness to the fact that it can certainly do, um, well, you know, obviously death and uh, and a lot of damage right. between oh. here and there. Yeah, and I, you know, I've got lung issues because of it, but, uh, you know, I'm not 100%, but I'm 100% better what I was. And, in fact, a lady that I had known all of my life, her son was my age, and we grew up together. She passed away in the room right next door to me. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a tough thing. But, you know, once again, the good Lord spared me, and here I am. Now, I wanted to ask you about you started your uh, career uh, moving drilling pipe in an oil field. What was that like? Right. Was a muddy field? What was that like driving uh, the drilling pipe? Right. And, uh, yeah, and it was work. I mean, not really. You know, work's work you got to work. You know, the Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. But the drilling pipe was the easy part. The drilling mud was the hard part because sometimes you had to lug them sacks off of that truck up to the doghouse or wherever they were putting them. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was slip-sliding away quite a bit. How long did you do that? Between the two, maybe a year. You know, not long because then I start hauling groceries. Yay. 
That was that, definitely that's work. <laughs> I was going to say that's a lot different than working in an oil field there. Yeah. You were a young man. I'm obviously you were a young man when you started. What did you learn along the way from the oil field to today that has kept you straight? Well, of course, everything from me starts with my belief in Jesus Christ. But uh, on the road, it's uh, number one, you never, one thing I liked about it, and I still to this day is, you never know everything. You know, you might do something the same way for 10 years. Just say backing in a hole or whatever. You may do it the same way for 10 years, and then today you see it differently and think, wow, why didn't I think about that before? So it's a never-ending learning process. And my uncle, well, there again, my uncle told me that the one that taught me how to drive was people think, act like they know it all or you need to stay away from that and get you hurt. But he also, one thing he told me that, that stayed with me all these years, he said uh, 90% of truck driving is common sense and confidence. He said, use the common sense the good Lord gave you and have confidence in yourself. He said, the other 10%, the rest of them people out there, and you can't do nothing about them. You just got to keep an eye on them. And I've kind of, you know, kept that in mind all these years. I love that. 90% of truck driving is common sense and common confidence. Common sense and confidence, right. You know, if, uh and my, as my dad would say, can't never could. So I never say can't, you know, and I, I can do it. I may, it may take me longer. I may do it different than you, but I'll get the job done. What kind of sticky situations have you been in on the road? I'm sure 39 years you've seen some stuff. Oh, uh, some stuff you don't want to see and some stuff. Oh, I've, I've had some good times. And then, you know, of course, you've been in just for First thing popped in my head, I was unloading in Oakland, California, and uh, the place was closed, and you, them kind of cities, me, I'd go in there at night. And uh, I pulled up behind the place where I'm going to unload in this little alley, and I had closed my, you know, do my curtains, and that's my thing. And somebody knocked on my door, and I kind of peeked out there a little bit, and it was a man in a suit, but he had a roller bag, a uh, suitcase behind him. Mm. He was holding it, so I thought, Lord, and then, but something just told me to answer. And so I rolled the window down, I said, yes, sir. He said, young man. If you're going to park here, he said, no matter what, don't open the door. He said, don't come out of them curtains. He said, till morning. He said, I He said I was a chemistry professor, and I got off on drugs, and I've lived a bad life. He said, but people die down here every night. He said, you go in that truck, lock them doors, keep them curtains closed, and don't, don't, come, don't come out till daylight. And I thought, wow. But he cared enough to, you know, saying Texas on the truck, you know, and uh, I've seen a lot of stuff, bad stuff happen, but I've seen good too. I mean, uh, 1987, one of the highlights of my extracurricular activities was I unloaded a half load of chickens in Las Vegas on Saturday, I believe it was. And my other half went to, uh, San Francisco on Monday. And as I was, of course, this is back before satellite radio, cell phone, radio, that kind of stuff, you know, back in the old days, old school people, we had a Telephone in a truck stop, and we had Randall McNally. We didn't have these things telling us where to go and all that stuff. Right. You know, you had to plan your trip out. But anyway, I was going into San Francisco, and I heard the Giants were playing the Padres, no Candlestick Park. But I took my truck to where I was going, got me a taxi, and went to Candlestick Park and watched the Giants play the Padres. That had to be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. In 89, I watched, of course, being in Louisiana, the Saints play the Falcons in Atlanta. I've been to Kansas City Royal Stadium. I've been to the Blues Festival up in Portland. I've been a lot of stuff. You know, because at the same time, you're trying to make a living and take care of your family. You know, you take care of your own. and uh, Might as well enjoy the ride. Right. Trucking's part of your life. It's not your whole life. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and now it's at 60 years old and all these years later, it's against to a mean, you know, and every little dollar doesn't matter. And if I need to go home and stay home a week, that's fine. Gotcha. But back up a little bit to uh, Megan. I've been in, like I said, I've been in this game a long time and I call her my travel. I pick at her, call her my travel agent, you know, but dispatch, yes. But, uh, I can, without hesitation, say she's as good as, or better. And I'd say as good as any dispatcher I've ever had in 49 years, because you're not just a number to her. You know, it's, it's kind of, you know, excuse me, kind of a personal relationship, I guess you'd say, you know, right. what's Absolutely. going on in your world matters, you know, and there again, it's back to the links in the chain. You know, if I'm not happy, not doing good, I'm not producing, and, you know, we're all trying to keep this boat going. The only thing about Norton, I, I wish we carried, like, big tour buses or maybe some of them big motorhomes or stuff like that. But one thing I enjoy about my job is I always have a, diff, a choice of what kind of vehicle I'm driving. Well, I did see when I was when I was doing my research on Merrill Jones, you're a Class A driver. You've driven uh, forever, basically. There, yes, if, if we do see some RVs, some uh, – you know, some of these custom coaches come down the line. I'll I'll let Megan know about it. Yes, I mean I have I have you know every endorsement. The only thing I can I I used to say I could drive anything with wheels, but then I realized the airplane has wheels, so no, I can't do that. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's it's all a day. It's another, just another day at the office is the way I look at it every day. First, I thank the good Lord for not forgetting to wake me up, and second, I can call Miss Jones tell her lover one more time. That's a good good advice to live by right there. You're listening to Merle Jones here on the Six Figure Trucker brought to you by Norton Transport. Merle telling us some of his stories on the road there. Uh, what is it, 39 years, 1984? Yes, yeah, sir. Yes, yeah, sir. If somebody were to ask you, Merle, what one thing sticks out the most in your mind in almost four decades on the road? What Was there an incident? Was there a, an accident? Was there an event? Was there one thing that just, hmm. that just pops to your mind? When you think of a forty-year career, well, I, two things: uh, you you're away from your family, but you make a choice, and two, you see a lot of carnage out here. And you know things are going to happen. The odds are against you. And knock on wood, I've only had one real wreck in all them years. And it wasn't my fault. The law ruled it not my fault. It was the other man's fault. But anyway, I uh, that was years and years ago. But it's all about choices. Everything, just like, you know, I said earlier, you know, it's all, everything in your life, you get out of what you put into it, you know, and you see these guys run up on the back end of a car, you know, these big, I drove 100 mile an hour trucks and all that, and you know, it's cool, whatever you think you are, but I always try to keep in mind, you know, because they run up there and be, you know, 100 feet from this car, trying to, trying to make them get out of the way, and I always thought, that, what if that was my family, or my mom, or my dad, or whatever, you know, what? But I like that. And so you just try to think of others. And the number one idea is, you know, this is going to probably sound odd to a lot of people out there, but I've been on the road 39 years. I've never put a set of chains on a truck, don't know how, and never will. If it's bad enough for chains, it's bad enough for me to stop. Now, that's my personal opinion. I I got a lot of buddies that do it, and that's fine. But I don't need a dollar that bad. And, you know, I'm a blessed man, and I understand that. But uh, well, just today I saw right coming out of Charlotte, there was a taker went off in the woods over there, and that's my fear. Number one, I don't want to take your family out. Right. You know what I mean? And, you know, just like my wife and I, we end the diet on a good note because odds are 
I can look at, like old Merle Haggard said, dial on the highway and ride away like old Highline pole. You know, stuff's going to happen. But I just do my best and pray the good Lord gets me back to my family one more time. You were talking about you've driven just about everything with wheels, minus an airplane and a tanker truck. But that was because your mother didn't want you to drive a tanker. Was it because of right. the, the – was there some fear there with the uh, the, with the tankers and what could happen? Right, the explosion, because we had a guy that uh, from a neighboring town that uh, a tanker blew up on him, and it burned him bad. Now, he's still alive, but it burned him up pretty well, and that hurt the fear of God and her. And, you know, when all else in life fails, all you got – this is how my dad raised us boys. When all else in life fails, all you have left is your name, your word, and your face. And if nothing – they're not worth anything, nothing you got's worth anything. And I gave my mom my word, and as crazy as that is – I'm 60 years old, and I'm still standing by it. Well, there you go. Being 60 years old, 39 years on the road, hands on the wheel, sitting in the cab, how much longer do you see yourself doing it? You know, that's funny. My wife just asked me that. And I said, well, and she said, I know, as long as you can crawl up in something, you're going somewhere. Now, I don't work, I don't work 12 months a year anymore, but in some small part, you know, a lot of people in society, you know, like they don't give truckers room. And, we, you know, I consider name all that stuff off, but it's just part of the game. But, you know, we're doing our part to keep the country moving. And, you know, it's kind of like I was thinking the other day, you know, farmers and truck drivers run on diesel. When we can't afford it and the farmers can't afford it, how are people going to eat? Very good point. You know, because it keeps going up, 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 and away. They're going to pass the price down. Uh, you and I... You know, we go to the grocery store, pay whatever it rings up. But I know a lot of people that can't do that. You know, they're not as fortunate or as wet as we are. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm concerned about that. But I just try to do my little part. You know, like you always say, uh, we don't move the freight, but we move the trucks that move the freight. This is true. You know, there again, that there again, that saying within itself confirms what I say about we're all links in the chain. You're listening to Merle Jones here on the Six Figure Trucker, brought to you by Norton Transport. And if you're just catching up with us, Merle has been on the road for 39 years, and he has a lot of uh, good, sound, solid country boy wisdom, uh, some good philosophy to, that he adheres to, things that he goes by. And Merle, you talked about it and touched on it. Faith is an important thing to you. Yes, sir. Now, Megan okay. kind of let me in there a little bit. Do, do you take some time uh, behind the pulpit? Sure. <laughs> I was kind of, I thought, you know, I was ready to get in it, and uh, I probably should have been, but uh, I'm a little bit shy. It's kind of funny. I can talk to you or one-on-one or anybody and never meet a stranger, but to get up in front of some folks and all that, and my wife's just the opposite. She's a little bit more shy one-on-one, but she can get up in front of 300 teachers and give a, a talk or whatever with no problem. Mm-hmm. But no, sir, I never, you know, I give my testimony because uh, sometimes, but not as far as, now I can't never say never, but it's just, I've never been brave enough. I got you. Not a preacher, but a follower. Well, and you know, and I learned too that you don't have to stand behind the pulpit and wear a suit and tie to, to be a minister. You can be, you know, in other words, and this may not be good for this, but I'll say it like I think it. You know, if you ask 95% of the people out there, are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian, but are you really? I'm standing over here watching you over there. Is the life you're leading showing me, hey, there's something about that guy? Or is it just, and my wife told me 
don't talk about politics or religion, but I can't help it. But you know what I'm saying? It's uh, how you treat others displays, you know, what your personal belief is and your personal belief system. Now, you know, I feel like I live a life that I'm, we're blessed and we're blessed to bless others. And if it's not nothing but holding the door open for whoever. Well, speaking of blessings, uh, 60 years old, um, 39 on the road. What kind of blessings do you like to see come your way as far as vacation? This is going to sound kind of corny, but anywhere that long as i with my wife. I've been to several places in 2013, uh, and this kind of backs up for a little bit. And my dad passed 8, 9, 10, August of night, 2010. All but one night I had stayed in the hospital within 50 days because oh, wow. I'm the baby and that's my pops. You know, nothing comes before family. And uh, one of the things he asked me, and this is kind of whatever, you might want to cut this part out. But one thing he asked me one night, he said, baby, you're awake? And I said, yes, sir, I am. And he said, I want you to do me a favor. I said, yeah, what, what, what's that? Anything, you know, I'm here. And uh, he said, your mama always wanted to travel. I never really had the means. You do take her uh, take her traveling. I said, okay, Pop, I will. He said, no, son, I want your word. Because like I said earlier, he raised us our name, our word, and our face. If they're not worth nothing, nothing, you guys worth anything. And so I said, yes, sir. And so in 2013, and not too long horn, but he's talking about traveling, I, t- I asked my mom where she wanted to go, and for Mother's Day 2013, we were in the gondola in Venice, Italy, and we went to Germany, uh, Italy, Switzerland, England, and, and France, and in 2014, her second choice was Hawaii, and we did three islands in Hawaii. Thank God we're not over there right now, and everybody needs to pray for them folks, but I've traveled a little bit, but nowadays, you know, as I get older, all the way my wife, I'm good. It don't matter. It can. Just, I took a few days off here just a few weeks ago, and we went and got a cabin on the a white river up in Arkansas. Just sit there and watch the water run for a few days. That's an incredible trip you were able to take your mother on those trips. Plural. Yes, sir. Those were incredible. That's something she'll remember for the rest of her life. And so will I. That's what I told her. I was making memories. Number one, I've been a man of my word to my father. And number two, I was making memories that, that I will cherish the rest of my life. Because like I said, in 2013, we were in a gondola in Venice, Italy. In 2014, we were in a helicopter in Hawaii looking at where they were filming, where they had filmed Jurassic Park. I went to the White River about five years ago to go trout fishing. Now, were you fishing or just uh, sightseeing? No, sir. I, and my, my, I took my in-laws, and I told them when we, were, we didn't do anything. We just sat there in that cabin for four days. Just a long weekend, and uh, watched the we, me and my partner watched the boats go out in the morning, and they'd come back in the evening. But uh, I told them, I said, "No, we're going up here to do nothing. And if you want to go, that's great. Come on. If not, nothing. We're not going up here to do no much or whatever. We were in a little small town. I can't think of the name of it now, but uh, it was up there on the White River, and you know, it's two or three restaurants in town, and that's it. There wasn't nothing. Mm-hmm. And because uh, I told them, we you know we took put everything in the back of that King Ranch board and took our groceries and everything up there and sit for uh, a few days doing nothing because downtime. As I get older, downtime is more important. You know, I I enjoy going places and you know my wife's birthday is December thirtieth. So a lot of times we do Christmas Eve with my in laws in Louisiana. We do Christmas Day with my mother in Texas and my brother, and then twenty six we'll get on an airplane and go somewhere. Gotcha. And uh, so for her birthday and, uh, you know, kind of the end of it. But the older I get the downtime and, you know, I missed a lot being on the road all these years. And, uh, and this may sound a little odd. The older I get, the smaller my circle gets, mm-hmm. you know, instead of having, you know, looking at 
I read this the other day and it made so much sense to me. Instead of a hundred pennies in a dollar, instead of a hundred friends, I'd rather have four quarters, four real friends, you know, cause I kind of think if you have five real true friends in your life, not acquaintances, but true friends that you could call at three o'clock in the morning, they'd make something happen if you needed them. And you've been blessed. That's, that's a good way. You to know look what I mean? At, good way to look at it. Good way to look at it. Now you were talking um, about uh, downtime. It means more yes, to sir. more to you as you've gotten older. Uh, but you're, right. you're still sixty years old, still getting in the cab of those trucks each and every day, driving down the road. Wanted to ask you about your choice to fly. Is that because you want more downtime? Is, or or how, what, what's your uh, thinking on right. flying? Right. Well, and, you know, I've been to, uh, to a few places, been here a couple times, right, stuff like that. But as far as my job, from the time I leave the house and go to Monroe, Louisiana, to the airport and go to work, every second is spent doing what I got to do to get back to my wife. You know what I mean? And if I drop one off, well, you know, uh, just say I I dropped one off in Roanoke yesterday. Well, they may have one in California that really needs to be moved. You know, we got a customer in a bind. Well, I'll get on a plane and go to California. And, you know, and everybody does their own. And, you know, certain people need a certain amount of money, and I understand all that. But I don't want to drive in between vehicles, and this is by choice. And like I said earlier, life's all about choices. I don't want to drive two or three, four hundred miles in between trucks. Number one, it comes down to me, what's my time worth? Exactly. You know, and there again, if I can spend an extra hundred, two hundred dollars, whatever, whatever the plane ticket costs, you know, to get me to the next one and get them three or four trucks done so I can get home to that lady in Franklin Parish, Louisiana, that's what it's all about for me. From the yeah. moment I leave, it's all about till I see that where's her Louisiana sign again. I got you. Now, do you get flight benefits because you fly so much? Oh yes, sir. I mean, well, just like last year, man, was it last year? I won't tell you a lie. Last month, yes, sir. It wasn't this past in twenty twenty two. My wife and I flew to uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, first time we'd ever did a ten day cruise, and went to Half Moon Bay, Bahamas. I think it was Aruba, Karen so cared so something like that panama panama canal finished up in costa rica but flying from louisiana to fort lauderdale and back cost me 44 dollars that's hard to beat yeah because because uh, the frequent my frequent flyer miles absolutely and you know now I, I get upgrades you know probably i'd say seven out of the last 10 times i've flown i've got upgraded to first class and uh don't have to pay for any bags you know you learn to work the system just like the other guy you talked to from North Carolina, he has a system that works and that works for him. And that's great. But, uh, you know, I'm a little older and he's new in the game and that's great. And he sounded like he got it down. And if not, you know, I made me do some thinking, listening to him, but, uh, I'd just rather get on that bird and get to the house. I gotcha. You're listening to you Merle, I mean? Merle Jones here on the six figure trucker brought to you by Norton transport. Merle lives in Louisiana. Now, I got to ask you, uh, you know, Louisiana is quite the state for outdoorsmen and outdoors women. Yes, sir. Uh, I mean, a lot of sport hunting, fishing goes on there. Is that something you get into? Yes, sir. I didn't for years and years and years. And there again, I, I've been kind of a workaholic. And even now, when I work, I work hard, but then I'm going to the house. But uh, I started a few years ago. My father-in-law got me into deer hunting, and I've killed a few. And uh, But I don't kill them for fun. I mean, I do for fun. That's not true. But I kill them to put them in my freezer. 
you know, and uh, they ain't nothing bad. I mean, you know, now let's understand. Everybody says, oh, you're from Louisiana, you're Cajun. No, that's not quite right. Cajun is South Louisiana, basically south of I-10 or, I- or 190 down there. Anything north, we're just kind of a weed over from Texas. But uh, they ain't nothing better than some uh, uh, backstrap there into gravy over a bit of rice. Yeah, we, you know. With a little, maybe a little okra and tomato to go along with it. Yeah, we're good. Black-eyed peas. <laughs> I hear you. I hear. Merle Jones. You my dad makes it sound like it's time to go to the house. Uh, you're, <laughs> ma- you're making me hungry now, man. Right. Mer- Merle Jones telling us some great stories here. Now, uh, you'd mentioned back in the day you took in a couple of ball games because you went through some cities right when the games were happening. Now, yes, all- sir. Are you a uh, LSU Tigers fan, Saints fan? Who who gets your allegiance? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, of course, LSU. And uh, my wife wouldn't talk to me if I wasn't. We generally try to go to at least one LSU ball game a year because, you know, I've been to ball games all over, but there's something about the real, true Death Valley. You know, yeah, Clemson says they are, but we were wrong before they were. But, yeah, there's something about a ball game there. And I, I have uh, – uh, like I said, we try to go to at least one LSU ball game. Now, my wife is all about that. She can tell you where them Saints boys went to college and all that kind of stuff. Not me. You know, I listen to it on the road or if everyone had to be in a motel. But, uh, yeah, like I said, she really enjoys it. So I try to take her at least one, or maybe I should say she takes me to at least one game a year. Gotcha. You know, because it's all about putting that smile on that lady's face. <laughs> now, I know what you mean about Tiger Stadium. I've been down there twice myself. Um, it's unlike right. it's unlike any other atmosphere as far as uh, they get loud, they get rowdy. <laughs> right, you can go up there and watch them coming down the hill, going to the thing, you know, and all that. In fact, I guess I can say this: a couple of years ago, you know, it's hard to buy somebody something for Christmas that has what they want or goes and gets it. So I was blessed to have the right people in my life. Yeah, I got a LSU football autograph by Coach O for my wife for Christmas. Right. I'm sure that put a smile on her face. Oh, of course. Of course. You know, and uh, she gets, she's a little more into it than I am, but, uh, you know, LSU, yeah, I'll do that. And this year, I think I'm going to fly up to uh, uh, Cincinnati so she can see Joe Burrow and try to get him to sign that same football. That'd be cool. They were there together, oh, yeah. Burrow and uh, Orgeron right. there. Give me another. Yeah, uh, we went down there and seen them. Give me another Go Tigers in your your best Ed Orgeron. Uh, little tigers. That's pretty good. I can good. tell you a funny story about that, too. I was sitting in Seattle in the airport waiting for my flight, and the plane come in that I was going to get on. And the people were coming off, and I was just sitting there doing my little thing. And here come a little Oriental lady, and you know, all four foot four of her, you know, 75 soaking, pound soaking wet. She had on a little jacket, but underneath her blazer, I could see a LSU jersey uh you know shirt and i didn't say a word and when she got right by me i did that go tigers and she, she freaked out dude she said, uh, uh, oh you must be way down i said yes ma'am sure am she said yeah i can hear it in your voice and the ma'am <laughs> that's awesome let's, let's i want to yeah. i want to steer it back to the road here we were kind of veering off that's quite all right though um all right what's your favorite run as far as what parts of the country do you like to go to or do you do does it matter to you well, in the right time of the year, I like to go up in the Northwest. And uh, well, just like a couple of three weeks ago, I was up there. And when I woke up in Montana, it was 49 degrees. And it's 100 down here, but it's 49 up there. And during the day, it was in the 60s. And I was riding down the road with my window down with my arm on the window. I told my wife I was going to deliver in Seattle. 
Yeah, right there in Seattle. And uh, I was telling her, man, it's so nice. She said, well, you better enjoy it because I was flying home the next day. And uh, that's when her uncle had passed. And she said, because it's 110 here. So, but the some of the prettiest is up there. And also, I mean, that, that drive across mine is beautiful and all up in there. But when you're going out of Denver and you go up through the Eisenhower Tunnel, and when you get on out there a little ways where the interstates go on top of each other, we go through that mountain is really beautiful too. Up through the Rockies there? Yeah, up there on 70. Mm-hmm. And when you were talking about 90, that comes across uh, the Dakotas that way, is that right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now, I've been to Sturgis up there, uh, I, but uh, I did it in a truck. I didn't go. I stopped at the Harley shop, bought me a partner uh, of mine, a, a Harley shirt that says Sturgis Harley, because I wasn't going up there with all the other people. Gotcha. Um, what about uh, places that doesn't really blow your skirt up, or a place you doesn't that you don't really want to go? Chicago and New York it has always been my pet peeves, and I don't go unless you know. She, if Megan said, "Look, I'm kind of in a bind. We really need this truck to go." Uh, I would figure out how to do it. But in the last, and I'm no rocket scientist, but you know, I do have a fairly intelligence. And in the last few years, it's become Atlanta, Georgia which I'm fit to go through now, because in this, you know, it really got on me, and a lot of these new guys aren't going to even know what I'm talking about. When Barbara Walter talked about them steering wheel holders, what does she know? You know, and but think about Atlanta. When you go into Atlanta, you have to stay in the right two lanes or you get a ticket. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, now logic uh, tells me if you're in the right two lanes, you're interacting with everybody that's getting on and off that interstate. True. Therefore, the var- the variables are big that something probably can happen. Now, why would it not make more sense for them to put the trucks to- that are not getting off in the left two lanes? So they're not having to interact with all these people getting on, trying to get home, trying to get to grandma's house or whatever, what I call part-time drivers. And then stay over there, make them stay in the left lane or left two or three lanes, and then when it comes to their exit, scoot over. That way they're not interacting with everybody. But, you know, on that, and you've got to go around the bypass, 285, one screw up in the evening, and that's going to add two hours to your, or in the morning, either one, two hours to your trip. Because that's the only way you can go. Yeah, the traffic's horrendous in Atlanta. In a, wh- oh, yeah. Widely oh, yeah. known and well-known. Um, now, what's the best major city for you where the traffic does flow nicely and you haven't had problems in it, in a major city? Well, of course, traffic's going to be at the morning and the evening. It's going to be tough other places. But if you know what you're doing, you know, as my dad used to say, if you work, you saw, you know when to and when not to. But I think uh, Phoenix is a good spot. You know, uh, of course, they're going to tell how old I am. I can remember when I started going out west in 85, I-10 wasn't even finished out there. You just had to get out and go down in town in Phoenix and get back up on the other side. Uh but they have it, you know, between those highways. Albuquerque is another good place. You know, mm-hmm. you can, and they're not major, major cities, but they're not like New York or L.A. or whatever. But uh, those two are pretty good. You know, you can roll right on through if you know what you're doing. It really comes down again to choices. Like I said earlier, it's all about choices. What I always say, it's just another day at the office. You know, you got to line it out right. Gotcha. Now, speaking of choices, you've been doing this for 39 years. Uh, have you had any other jobs besides driving, or has this been pretty much all you've done? Well, I'd say for the most part, it's all I've done. You know, I, uh, I've i done a little of this, you know, a little of that. Uh, did a little welding way back when, you know, but I spent my life holding a steering wheel. 
That's what that leads me to my next question. Who better to answer the question about people who may come across this podcast listening to it and may be thinking about moving into driveway trucking uh, from a, a KG veteran, 39 years, with a, with a steering wheel in his hands. What would your advice be to those people or what would some of your answers be to questions they may have? Well, depending on where you're at in life, you know, as far as your family and all that, you know, and I think especially being a country fellow, well, it's really anybody, not just country fellow, you know, you always – you strive because you want your family to have a good life, and most of the time you want them to have a better life than you did. But, uh, you know, it, for me, it's at the end of the day, does the end justify the means? You know what I mean? And, you know, I missed a lot of, like, my daughter danced and all that, and I didn't get to see much of that. You know, I did see a lot of softball, but, you know, you you miss a lot of stuff with your kids and all that, but if you're like me later on in life, your kids are grown, now you're in the grandbaby stage. But, uh, you know, there was, uh, who was that guy? There was a guy from Arkansas did a song years ago that said, Peter built a truck for a man to drive. It's a pretty good living, but sometimes it ain't no life. Well, you know, you just have to keep in mind that trucking's part of your life, not your whole life. You know, it takes, just like military, it takes somebody when, when you say thank you for your service, it's not just that one in the uniform, but it's that spouse that's raising them kids while they're gone. Same here. It's not just a truck driver. It's the wife or the husband or whoever's raising kids at the house while they're gone. Mm-hmm. You know, they're the yard mower. They're the plumber. They're the clothes washer. They're everything. Right. So you got to, like I said, to the end, justify the means. You know, you got to, it's not just about you. You discuss it with your spouse. Because at the end of the day, for myself, it's about, I make sure my wife knows above all else second to god she's what i value most in my life not trucks not whatever what would you say as far as in drive away what's your favorite part of drive away uh number one you always drive something different to me and number two you don't go into walmart with eight o'clock appointment it takes you eight hours to get out of there you know you you there again it's your choice you know you make it you talk to your customers. And, too, that's one thing I try to do, even though everything's kind of planned out. I talk to my customers. Even like when I'm rolling today, I already talked to the man in Jackson, let them know about what time I'm going to be there, which, I, as me and my wife discuss all the time, trucking's not an exact science. I tell you what I think. If it doesn't happen like that, it's because something unforeseen happened, you know, a bad wreck. I had a blow tire, whatever. But, number one, key, you know, I keep my customers informed of what I'm doing. And, uh, you know, I've seen, and that's why I said it's about the attitude, you know, drivers acting like they're doing somebody a favor. No, whoever hired us to move this truck is doing us the favor. They're keeping our chain moving. Absolutely, and trust me, they appreciate you. Customers certainly appreciate drivers that stay in touch with them, let them know when that ETA is winding down and when you guys will be there. They certainly appreciate that. And speaking of appreciation, Merle Jones, we appreciate you and being on the uh, on the podcast with us and running for Norton Transport. Last question I had wasn't really a question; just wanted to leave it open to you. Anything you want to say, you want to impart with us before we sign off here? Well, I would just, and I guess this is okay. I would just simply say, uh, everybody, be careful out there. Do what you got to do to get home with your family. May the good Lord cover you with traveling mercies till you get home. Every day, remember, it's all about today. 
there's a reason your rearview mirror is smaller than your windshield. Keep looking behind, you're going to miss something's out in front of you. Merle Jones, right there on the Six Figure Trucker, brought to you by Norton Transport. Merle, we certainly appreciate you and your time and the stories you've t- shared with us. They were uh, fun to hear, fun to hear. Merle Jones, thank you very much. All right, you be blessed. I appreciate you. Six Figure Trucker is brought to you by Norton Transport. Norton Transport is a drive-away trucking company that customers can rely on. It offers excellent independent contract driving opportunities to professional, courteous, and qualified drivers that can provide the kind of service we deliver. If you're interested in learning more about Norton or just want to subscribe to the show, check out 6-figuretrucker.com. That's 6-figuretrucker.com.